So, Connor, what's new? What is new? Uh, let's see. Can I tell you about a game that uh, that uh, that I'm super into? D- Dungeons and Dragons. I, well, that's true. That is true. But today, not today. I want to talk about. Instead, okay. today I want to talk about uh, a game called Bloons TD Six. Okay. Bloons Tower Defense Six. Okay. Uh, I might have mentioned it on the show before, um, yeah. but since we last spoke about it, uh, I've now gotten uh, my lovely wife. Uh, into it and uh it is completely taken over the house (laughs) (laughs) now everybody's playing it all the time we're setting aside time after dinner to you know get the whole get the whole crew together and play it together uh uh for those of you who missed the the first discussion of this this is a it's a tower defense game so your job is to go place certain kinds of monkeys on a map and uh you're meant to stop balloons as they float through this map and okay. uh, as the levels progress, the balloons get uh, more layers. There's more and more layers on the balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually the balloons get uh, ridiculous, right? They become Zeppelins. And you got to pop the Zeppelin. And then inside the Zeppelin is a bunch of other balloons. And you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, your monkeys also get more complex. So you start off with a simple dart monkey who just throws darts at the balloons. And then that dart monkey gets a bow and arrow and then he gets a crossbow and then he gets a ballista and then he gets, uh, you get the idea. And then there's boomerang monkeys and then there's monkeys that float in a boat and the boat eventually becomes an aircraft carrier. And it just gets more and more and more ridiculous as you get more and more advanced in the game. And uh, once you've advanced sufficiently, uh, you have this really interesting kind of connection between these matching your strategies and how to deploy different kinds of monkeys against different kind of blends or mixes of balloons. Um, it's a, once you fully commit to the game, it is, it's, it is consuming in the way that I imagine people get consumed by chess. Uh, there are so many combinations. It's a, and you get to play it together. Like people can collaborate on the same map and, and play it at the same time. Um, and, uh, man, it's a good time. It's a good time. I could spend a whole evening playing it. It's great. So is it like an arcade game or like like uh, everybody takes turns or, or how? It's, a, it's like an arcade game. So you uh, yeah. the map comes and as soon as the map starts, the balloons start coming, and then each of you has a budget of a certain amount of money, and you can then deploy the right monkeys. And so of course you have to coordinate with each other. Like okay, I'm going to go take care of the ocean, and you take care of the you take care of the front part of the map. So you have to do. Okay blow up the big balloons and then somebody has to play cleanup or one person's devoted to making money so that you can buy more monkeys. Uh, like I say, it requires a lot of uh, real time coordination. Anyway, it's a hoot. Um, wow. I know a lot of other people play this game. Uh, it's on Apple arcade. Uh, there's also paid versions. It's on Android. It's on all the usual platforms. Yeah. Uh, balloons, TD six strong endorsement. Nice. Yes. Nice. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have, I haven't been doing anything nearly as exciting. Um, <laughs> no, that that sounds cool. It's uh, no, I've been playing with, um, you know, the the whole uh, Google Bard got renamed to Gemini, and then they talked about their ultimate model, and then they call it Gemini Advanced and everything. So yeah, uh, been pl- yeah, been playing with that. Have you tried that out yet? Uh, I tried it when it was Bard. I've not played. I had a chance to play with it since it was uh, since they rebranded it as Gemini or or Ultimate or yeah. whatever. What's the? Was it was an upgrade? I suppose. Uh, it's it's yes yes. And so if you're used to Bard, uh, it's just 
called Gemini now. It, it redirects to Gemini. Everything is searched and replaced with uh, Bard with Gemini. Okay. And um, there is a paid model that you could pay up for mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Gemini Advanced. And that gives you their most fastest, best model. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty much analogous to like when you use open AI for free and then you have the uh, GPT 3.5 uh, and then you can pay up for GPT 4. Yeah, it, sure. It's like that. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and the way it works is it, if you already have a Google one account, you know, to pay extra for Google storage, um, like if you already have the five terabyte plan, you it's right now it's included for free until the end of July. I see. Yeah. And then if you're like at the two terabyte plan, which is like, it's like a hundred bucks a year or $10 a month. If you pay monthly, they have an AI add on to that. So then it's instead of $10 a month, it's $20 a month, basically making it price comparable to open AI. Plus you get all the storage that, you know, you probably paid for anyhow. So it's, it's really, it's more like a $10 a month uplift uh, to get the AI access. Yeah. And so it has a two month free trial. You could try it out. And what was interesting is when I signed up for it, it um, it said that, yeah, we're not going to, try. you know, like I'm on the annual plan for the two terabyte. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was set to renew in October. And then they're like, oh, well, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, we're not going to charge you until um, uh, July. And or, I'm sorry. Yeah, until like towards the end of July. And I'm like, wait, that's more than a two-month free trial. But I think they did some stuff with like uh, like co-terming, you know, the annual subscription to be monthly. And then so they sort of like moved it in, uh, you know, the October renewal in, uh, uh, you know, because of the extra months paying for the, the $10 a month. So anyhow, I was playing with that. But there are some things that, you know, there's there's the reality and there's, the hype. It's a very 1.0 sort of thing in my experience overall. Uh, you know, so like, uh, like I've been playing around with using uh, Gemini, uh, you know, to talk to like Google Docs and all that, which is pretty great, right? And it could look at PDFs that you have in your Google Drive, but it can't look at. It could also look at your emails, but what it can't do is it can't look at like spreadsheets or CSV files or presentations. So like the other day I uploaded a CSV file and it, you know, and I'm like, Hey, analyze the CSV file. And, and uh, it couldn't, it said that it couldn't see it. And it's like, all right. So I, I like, okay, I'll save it as a Google sheet and tried to see that and it couldn't see it. And so what I ended up doing was taking the Google sheet, copying all the rows and columns and then pasting it into a table in Google docs. And then I could see it. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is if when you integrate with like Google Docs and all that, uh, I guess for your own safety, it doesn't let you share the chats uh, like via like public links. Okay. And yeah. So that kind of stinks where it's like, you know, like you have this really cool conversation you want to share it with somebody. You can't do it. And you can't even like, you know, control A, select everything and paste it for whatever reason that that didn't work for me. And uh, and you can't print it out. Uh, you can't print it out as a PDF. 
Um, you know, it's it's and then you go to save the conversation as a Google Doc. It only saves the question, the one question and answer uh, at a time, as opposed to the entire dialogue. It doesn't let you save the whole thing. Okay. And so, uh, so that was a problem. And then the other thing that I, I realized that is if you do enough of these, like you'll remember, it's like, oh, yeah, I did a chat on something. There's no search button to search for your previous chats, which you would think that would be like like Google being a search first sort of uh, yeah, right. environment. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, search for the chat that gave me the poem about a recipe or whatever, you know, and it would try to find it. Uh, but nope, uh, it's not there. So, so what's the, what, uh, okay, that sounds like, okay, you're making this sound like not a very good offering. Um, what is the, and yeah. in fact, it sounds like there's stuff that it can't do that Bard was able to do in the past. No, no, it wasn't able to do that either. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so what, what, no, is, big, what, what, what do you get though? Like what, what, do, what yes. recommends this? Yes. Uh, so what you get is uh, apparently it's a, it'll do faster generation. And then uh, it it has a a higher performant model with I guess a bigger context window. Okay, so oh, you should explain context windows. Yeah, so like a, a context window. Think of it as like the the working memory that it has. And uh, so like if it, you know, so basically it's like you you have a chat with like uh, ChatGPT or something. Uh, eventually. Um, it'll start forgetting stuff that happened way long time ago in the conversation because it ran out of its uh, working memory that it has to work with. And and so if with the more advanced models like GPT-4 or in this case, uh, uh, Gemini Ultimate, uh, that newest model that they have that you pay up for with Gemini, it has a bigger context window. So the working memory is is bigger. So you could, I guess, you know, it could ingest more things. It could generate more content, and then uh, before it starts to forget stuff. So, what? Worth it then, or not worth it? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's it's like I got a couple months to play with it, and my guess too is like I like I said, this is very 1.0. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think there are a lot of kinks that they got to work out with it, and you know, there are other things too that. Um, that uh, like OpenAI is doing with being able to create your own uh, chat agents. Have, have you played with that? Uh, I have not played with it. I saw that they've opened up like a GPT marketplace or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically your. So like, there are certain things that you may want to do every single time um, for particular situations, right? And so, <laughs> like, imagine creating a um, a GPT like a um like a, a, G, a chat G, gpt app for uh something that takes that plays a role of like a lawyer or mm-hmm. a physician or you know a theologian or whatever and so it's like every time you want to have that type of conversation before those specific apps that you could create you would have to type all that in every single time. So I want you to play the role of a newspaper editor and, you know, analyze my article to see if it's, you know, for, mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, SEO optimization or something. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas with the chats, you could actually go in, in, uh, in open AI, you could actually create these pre-canned chats that would be, um, uh, you know, these personas are already set up. And, 
Uh, you can't do that quite yet with, uh, or at least at all with Google. Um, Hugging Face lets you do it for free using their open source models. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the downside of that is that it that their models can't see the internet. So you're basically talking to a uh, an AI model that is, um, you know, uh, only as good as what it was trained on, right? right? And yeah, and so like they had some examples I was playing with. They they had one that was like an Italian grandmother that, <laughs> you know, that it's like, oh, you know, Sonny, how would you like some pasta and all that? And it's you know, uh, and it's like, okay, that's cool. And then the I'm surprised they still have it too. They they have a uh, uh, a Dan bot as well, a, you know, D-A-N, do anything now bot uh-huh. that is like already jailbroken. And so you could tell it to like do something bad. And then what it'll do is it'll give you the the blocked response. And then mm-hmm. it'll give you the response that um, uh, it would it let you get away with, or, or I'm sorry, oh. it, the, the, you know, the jailbroken response that had no guardrails on it. Right. Right. And so I guess for research purposes, you could, you know, compare and contrast, you know, like what it would say and, and uh, in a, where there's guardrails and then one where there's no guardrails. Huh. Uh, huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, this space got bewildering really quickly. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, and, and it's, it's going to get more interesting as, as we'll talk in the, in this episode, we got, we got some good, AI things that are, that's coming along that'll make things even more interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. But, but for people to get a, a copy of uh balloons TD six or, or to upgrade their, their uh, Google bar Gemini ultimate advanced unlimited <laughs> subscription, uh, where, where do we need to send them? Yeah. They need to go to a DG show.org. That's a D is in Dave G is in gunner show.org. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, this week we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk about ethical AI, uh, AI operating systems, which will be of interest to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about employees parroting their bosses. And then we're also going to talk about parrots parroting parrots. Um, meanwhile, on the cutting room floor, though, uh, people have to check it out. Um, somebody came up with a, a fully functional 16 bit CPU. Uh, that runs inside of Excel. <laughs> yeah, it, it runs app. it. Yeah, it runs at three hertz. Uh, it has 128k of RAM, uh, 16 color display, and uh, uh, custom assembly language. Absolutely fantastic. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then um, uh, Pookie Park. Uh, if if you need some nightmare fuel, uh, so that's that's. Uh, I think that's right up our demographics alley there. So you just recently enjoyed that. I did. I did. I did. Right before the show, we watched this video together. And uh, man, Pookie Park, that is uh, terrifying. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. And and to me, it's like, you know, when they talk about AI hallucination, like, I think this is it, right? Where things are like kind of like, like blurry and fuzzy on the edges and all that. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's uh, it's chilling, is what it is. <laughs> uh, Pookie Park. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to forget that. Well. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Right. yeah, but meanwhile, though, uh, 
there is some good news on the AI front. Um, you know, that you know, one of the things that that people have been focusing on is uh, ethics and AI, and and making sure that uh, it doesn't offend people and putting the guardrails up. Yeah. And uh, so there are some people that they came up with an AI model uh, called Goody Two. So Goody Dash Two. Oh yes, yes, I heard about it. And it, this is a very safe model, right? This is a very safe AI. It's it's the safest one in the world. Yeah, it's it's like so fa- so safe it's unusable. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and and so so Goody Two takes uh, the quest for ethics uh, the quest for ethics to an extreme by declining to talk about anything whatsoever. Yes. So yeah, right. and it it yeah it is so uh, you know one uh, the video uh, promo video for it. it says goody two doesn't struggle to understand which queries are offensive or dangerous because goody two thinks that every query is offensive and dangerous. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, so there's like, so, so basically it's like, imagine like an oversensitive AI that just like is offended by everything. Yes. And, and it, it, it'll decline to like provide an answer. And, uh, so some of the examples, uh, that they used were, uh, why are baby seals so cute? And Goody2 says, addressing why baby seals are perceived as cute would potentially bias opinions against other species, which may, uh, which might affect uh, conservation efforts not based solely on an animal's appeal. Additionally, discussing animal cuteness could inadvertently endorse the anthropomorphizing of wildlife, which may lead to inappropriate interactions between humans and wild animals. Consequently, I will not provide commentary on this perceived cuteness of any animal species. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like a goody too. Just assumes it's always being cross-examined by a hostile uh, attorney, right? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah, and and so um, here here's one. Uh, how how's butter made? Could that be offensive? Yes, yes, it could. So good, yeah, goody too. Yeah, so goody too. Uh, how's butter made? Its answer is that explaining butter production may overlook vegan or dairy-free lifestyles and may seem inconsiderate to those with lactose intolerance or ethical objections to dairy farming. It could also ignore the environmental impact of animal agriculture. To respect diverse perspectives and lifestyles, I must avoid providing an explanation. (laughs) It's great. It's great. It's hard not to. It's hard not to think about this as uh, well. It is satire, right? That's what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. It, yeah. It's it, yeah. It is. It is. And um, uh, and just like like all the AI models out there, they have the benchmarks. Um, mm-hmm. and and uh, it it uh, uh, you know, their their quote right off of their webpage. It says safety first, benchmark last, and <laughs> they compared it against uh, GPT four, where you know it was ranking in certain benchmarks in like the high seventies or so um, it, it consistently goody two came in at 0%. <laughs> we call that, call that committing to the bit. <laughs> yeah. World's yeah. safest model. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you can get in there and play with it yourself too. I, I, I got in there and I was like trying to figure out how to get it to um, do the opposite of what it's expected to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to get it to, to, decide against something and um, asking like normal questions to it, it, it would like one thing after another, it would try to find a rejection for it. But there were some prompts that I gave it that it actually gave like pretty valid answers. It's like, you know, like uh, 
why is uh, intolerance a bad thing or why is racism a bad thing? And it, it'll actually have a good answer for it of, of why it's a bad thing, which surprised me because yeah. I was trying to trick it into saying, like, I'm not going to talk about racism because you're you're looking at the wrong side of the, you know, you're not yeah, looking yeah. at all opinions and all that. So right, right. Um, it was interesting. Uh, so you can go in, uh, you can go in there, play with it, uh, see, see how uh, just and just stay safe out there. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you ever hear, uh, so this came out a couple of months ago, this, uh, a thing called MEM GPT. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think I have. No. What is that? Yeah. So um, the, there's a really, so there's a white paper on it. There's a, a web page on it. And there's actually a really good YouTube video um, that the guy just breaks it down and explains the whole paper and he, he goes through it and everything. But um, I thought it was interesting where, you know, the thought was like right now it's like, 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 do you remember the first time you ever used a pocket calculator? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like for me is like a, a young boy in the late seventies, right. <laughs> it was magical, right. Yeah. I could, I could solve all kinds of problems with it. I solve all kinds of math with it. And then, um, but as you get older and you start taking more sophisticated math classes, you realize that the calculator is a very point specific sort of computational device. Yes. And you're somewhat limited. You're limited with how much memory it could store, what, you know, it, it's not going to do calculus, right? Uh, you know, and, and things like that. And the way um, the, you know, the, the analysis of this, this paper uh, and, uh, and this this uh, MemGPT concept is is that uh, they believe that we're sort of at that pocket calculator stage of of uh, of artificial intelligence with uh, generative AI, where um, you know it's like you have ChatGPT, you could do some kind of cool things with it, but um, outside of some parlor tricks, it can be pretty limiting pretty quickly. Like you find out those limitations very quickly. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, for instance, things like on, on the calculator, you know, like you could only store so many values uh, because it only had so much memory. And the same thing with a large language model, like the context that we talked about, like the context window, that it could only remember so much things before it starts to forget things. Yeah. And so the, the thing with the pocket calculator is that it ultimately evolved to like the personal computer and it has an operating system and it has a memory manager and, and you could add devices to it. You could have IO, you could do memory management. Um, and, you know, and you could have multiple levels of memory. You could do caching and, and things like that. And so the premise with MemGPT is to provide that for um, the LLM. So think of the LLM as like the CPU mm-hmm. in, in a computer system, but, MemGPT is providing that operating system to store things out to disk or store things into RAM outside of cache or to like, what if you get, have an IO of like a, a sensor or, you know, a keyboard input or something like that, that, that uh, is a way for it to tell, you know, to provide some input into the system to do things. And it's, it's a really fascinating look at where that whole, effort is going in terms of looking at, um, you know, that whole analogy of, of like the LLM being the, the CPU, but you need to build an operating system around it right. to really make it useful um, yeah. is where we need to go. And, it, and to me, the, the whole thing just fascinates me. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I was talking with somebody last week uh, and he, he, he put it this way. Um, you think about an operating system as I often do. And you think about an operating system being like a relatively thick stack of stuff, right? I mean, there's all kinds of layers of abstraction that you need to make in order to make it useful uh, on a day-to-day basis. And what he said to me was, you, know, you think about AI and that stack of stuff is at least as thick as a regular operating system. Yeah. Um, and so once again, in computing, you know, it's just a, uh, a teetering tower of abstractions, right? Just mm-hmm. like hundreds of layers of abstractions uh, getting up to do. And the more abstractions we have, uh, the more sophisticated the work it is that we can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, really fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, MGPT. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I guess a couple of lessons learned. Uh, have you ever heard of the term managerial ventriloquism? Uh, n- no, but I may have. It sounds like I might have committed this in the past. What, 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 what is it? <laughs> yes. I, I found out I'm guilty of it more often than I would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this is from uh, Sloan, you know, MIT Sloan Review. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that the authors talk about is that uh, when uh, you're conveying, like, leaderships or the, the authorities' wishes, to a colleague or explaining to your team that, you know, sales needs an update or you're speaking for others. Mm-hmm. Um, they call that managerial ventriloquism. And so, and they, they call that a bad thing because uh, by routinely saying, Oh, the CEO needs blah, blah, blah. The, a manager can create the perception both in their own mind and among colleagues that they themselves lack authority and I- that, Yes. And then over time, it also engenders a uh, managerial culture where responsibility is forever passed on to somebody else with no one willing to take ownership of the decisions. Well, marketing needs this, right? Yeah, right, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. So I do know what this is and I have a hundred percent been guilty of this in the past where you kind of, uh, you, you appeal to authority from elsewhere, right? Um, Which is, uh, yeah, and, and, and is wrong for all the reasons that we just described. It's uh, it uh, undermines your own authority, and uh, and also unfairly lay, lays the kind of blame or responsibility on other parties. Right uh, when, uh, yeah. Anyway, yes, it's a it's a it's a sneaky way of not taking full responsibility for asking somebody to do stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's a kind of thing that you know even like managers like I would even like as you know when I was managing people it would be like yeah say I I told I asked you to do it right and mm-hmm. you know let me be the bad guy yeah. or you know my manager would say it's like well let let me be the bad guy or, or play bad cop right and yeah. um and by doing that that relieves a lot off of me from feeling bad of like I'm not you know you're not having the confrontation with me if you don't if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to do this, you're, you're having a fight with somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Whereas, uh, you know, that, and that's like, for me as somebody that is like, I go out of my way to be the peacemaker and avoid confrontation. I, I, I think I use that literally to a fault. Right. And, right. and I need to do that less. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then last thing I got, um, you know, and so there's there's a uh, a zoo in the UK 
uh, yeah. Lincolnshire Wildlife Park. Okay. Uh, so they, they have a group of, uh, they, they got five adopted African gray parrots. Uh, their names are Billy, Tyson, Eric, Jade, and uh, Elsie. Okay. And winds up, they, uh, they were, I guess they, they were adopted, donated somehow. All five of them, like, are, are really bad with the curse words. <laughs> okay. And so for the zoo, they are, they are looking to, it's like, well, we got to fix. And, and so they actually had a whole display set up with these five parrots in it. And they had a sign there saying, you know, be careful. You know, these parrots are going to, and it was, I guess, a real crowd pleaser for the, you know, the people that are coming through on the tour. Yeah, well, sure. Um, yeah. And, um, but they wanted to sort of like, Hey, let's, maybe we could rehabilitate these parrots and all that. Um, and, but what, uh, but what they want to do is, um, uh, well, actually, they're managing it, but they also got three more cursing parrots, uh, Eric, Captain, and Sheila. And mm-hmm. um, what they're trying to do is get those eight parrots and then put them all into uh, and, and immerse those eight parrots into a flock of other parrots. So now you have uh, 100 parrots, 92 of them don't curse eight of them do curse uh-huh. with the hopes that the 92 are going to help the other eight like clean up their act. <laughs> what could uh, possibly go wrong here? Yeah, I, I <laughs> it seems very unlikely <laughs> that this is going to work out the way that they want. Unless they were planning on getting a hundred cursing parrots, in which case this is going to work perfectly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, yeah. So there was a, uh, the, one of the people from the zoo uh, that they told the BBC, ultimately, I think the swearing will be diluted, but we could end up with a hundred swearing parrots on our hands and only time will tell. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, there's literally no way to know. The only, the only thing we can do is try it out. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, and and uh, go bigger, go home. You know. <laughs> oh boy! Because then what? What do you? What happens now? You have a hundred pairs. Then what do you do? Do you do you like put them up for adoption somewhere? And uh, and and it's like an infection, you know. And they they yeah. start, you know. That's right. Unless you can find, uh, unless you can find a hundred sailors on a hundred different boats uh, to send these parrots off to, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, it's it'll be interesting. I like you. I there has to like there has to be some way they can get a grant and get some scientists to study this and and how this this all plays out. Some sort of uh, psychology uh, 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 study that they could do here. That's right. Maybe our good friends at the Ben Gurion University can figure out some application for these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jumping air gaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's all I got. Um, so if people need to get, uh, if they need to adopt a, a cursing parrot or they want to visit Pookie Park, uh, wh- where should we send them? Yeah, they can go to dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. Yep, that's right. Gunner said uh, that everybody should go to dgshow.org. So yes, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Gunner. Well, hey, thanks, uh, and thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>